You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Charles Porterfield and Hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show and how very happy and pleased we are to have each and every one of you with us. Before we go any further, I want to say that That's absolutely correct. We do actually have a very long theme music intro for just that purpose. Just so that people can get on over 
get in, get logged in, get it all to work, make it all work the way it needs to, sit back, relax, pour themselves a, a glass of uh, iced tea or get a little cookie or maybe with some cheese on it. It's a Jewish thing. Uh, just enjoy themselves and, you know, relax. That's why we take a little extra time to start and open the show that way so that you all can have the time to get in. And we're so happy that you're in. And take a moment right now to slip on out into the vast electronic world and tell your mama and your daddy and your brother and your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your grandma and your grandpa and your cousins, first, second, third, and fourth, as well as your sons and your daughters, your grandsons and your granddaughters, that the Now You Know show is live and they better hurry on up, hustle up together and get on into the chat room and tune in and bring those delicate shell-shaped ears up close to those speakers so they can be here for the show. We're going to have a fun one tonight. We're going to be talking about all sorts of different kinds of things, including vinegar. Yeah, including vinegar. That's the, that's the voice when you drink vinegar. Vinegar. You say it like that. Vinegar. My grandsons actually used to whisper when they would taste something sour. If they tasted something sour and vinegary, they'd, they'd whisper. And so they used to say that lemons made them whisper. Lemons make you whisper. So we're going to be talking about candles. We're going to be talking about lamps. We're going to be talking about lights. And we're going to be talking about history. Oh, yes, history and you. History and education and books and learning and all sorts of things. We're going to have recipes. We're going to do all sorts of stuff. In the meantime, before we get there, let me tell you what's been going on here at the Home Fort. What's been going on here is this. We are up to our eyes in fantastic, colorful, amazing, wonderful work for this year's 2017 10th Annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival occurring in beautiful Forestville, California, at the site of the Lucky Mojo Curio Company and the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, that's the world's smallest church, May 3rd. Get your tickets now. Why should I get my tickets now, Professor? Well, friend, I'll tell you why you should get your tickets right now. You should get your tickets now because today... Today, as we will hear later in the news, today is March 16th, and the early bird ticket sales go on until March 21st. After that, the price goes up. So let me explain how this works. For all you early birds, we offer a reduced price. Come, come. And book early. Get your tickets now. Doesn't cost you quite as much. Book a little later than that. It costs a little bit more. Wait until Saturday morning and drive up through the mysterious mists of Northern California as they cling to the giant sequoia trees and a beautiful and panoramic view that we saw all the way through Garnville where we stopped and enjoyed the festive and beautiful homosexual weekends put on there 
by the lovely citizens there until finally arriving in Forestville. Forestville, originally founded in eight. Okay, uh, tra- sorry. Oh, 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 oh. Slipped into a travel travel log there. Travel log. The point is, drive up on that Saturday, walk up and say, "I want a ticket right now." You can still get a ticket, but it'll cost even more. So don't wait. Don't wait until the last weekend. Save yourself some money. Get your tickets now. Before the 21st of this month, you won't be sad that you did. There will be so many people there. Who's going to be there? Well, let's going to have an amazing and fascinating panel workshop about law and court case work. And it's going to be headed and guided by our own Miss Robin York, a fantastic worker. This is the person who has, with the church, helped put together these festivals for years. Also, Tata Candelo Kimbisa from Candelo's Corner is going to be on that panel. Andrea Weston from Liquid Libations here on the LMC radio station is going to be there. Miss McHale, who's sitting in our chat room right now, she's going to be on that panel. And two brand new members of AIR, that's the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, Angela Marie Horner and Co Meadows are both going to be on that panel. That right there, that anywhere else, that right there. But there's more. There's going to be numerous books coming out, including a book by our own Miss Aida. She's in the chat room right now as well. If you need to get over to that room right now, log in. All these people are here. You can actually talk to them live. Vulvamancy by Dr. Jeremy Weiss. That's going to be coming out. That's a fantastic – That's listen, that's going to spin your head around. You have never seen a book before in your life like Vulvamancy. So get over. Get there. You get a free copy of it, a free copy of it. Women's Work by Aura LaForest. That's right, Aura LaForest, who brought you the fantastic – the wonderful book before of Hoodoo Spiritual Bath now is bringing you woman's work. Fantastic book. You're going to have so much to improve your life from this book. Get a free copy of that as well. Chaz Bogan is going to be there talking about spirit boards. Candelo Cambista, again, is going to open the Sunday ritual. Who opens the Saturday ritual? None other than Storm Fairy Wolf of the Fairy Tradition. We're going to have a fantastic opening there. I was just talking with him and others today about these wonderful favors that are going to be given out. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. And more, 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 more. Oh, and by the way, I'll be there too. So. Make arrangements now for May 13th and 14th, Forestville, California, the 10th annual 2017 Hoodoo Heritage Festival. We can't wait to see you. It's going to be amazing. Oh, oh, by the way, you know who else is going to be there? I'll tell you who else is going to be there. Why, the one and only Troll Towelhead. That's right, Troll Towelhead, chief engineer, chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, master behind Yippie, book producer extraordinaire, friend, cohort, and all-around swell guy, he's going to be there. And you know where else he is, my friends and neighbors? He's also with us tonight. Patchy Fogg called in, caught on 35, in traffic. 
threw up a nail from all that construction they're doing out there. Blew two tires. He's safe. Don't worry about him. But he's not hearing the news. Instead, ladies and gentlemen, sit up, prick thy ears, because I give you the one, the only, troll towelhead at the LMC Radio News Desk. Take it away, troll. Good evening. This is Troll Towelhead reading the news. Today is Thursday, March 16th, the 75th day of 2017. There are four days until spring begins and 290 days left in the year. The 17th and 18th are auspicious days to dry fruits and vegetables, cut hair to slow growth, mow to slow growth, castrate farm animals, pick apples and pears, wean, quit smoking, potty train, perform demolition, wash wooden floors, wash windows, start dieting to lose weight, advertise to sell, buy a car, and kill plant pests. The 17th through 19th are barren days. Do no planting in this time. These are also poor days for fishing. Today's highlights in history. On March 16, 1802, President Thomas Jefferson signed a measure authorizing the establishment of the U.S. Military Academy at West Point, New York. On this day, in A.D. 37, Roman Emperor Tiberius died. He was succeeded by Caligula. In 1517, the twelfth and final session of the Fifth Lateran Council of the Catholic Church took place in Rome, almost five years after the council began. In 1792, Sweden's King Gustav III was shot and mortally wounded during a masquerade party by a former member of his regiment. He died 13 days later. In 1926, rocket science pioneer Robert H. Goddard successfully tested the first liquid-fueled rocket at his Aunt Effie's farm in Auburn, Massachusetts. In 1935, Adolf Hitler decided to break the military terms set by the Treaty of Versailles by ordering the rearming of Germany. In 1945, during World War II, American forces declared they had secured Iwo Jima, although pockets of Japanese resistance remained. In 1968, during the Vietnam War, the My Lai Massacre of Vietnamese civilians was carried out by U.S. Army troops. Estimates of the death toll vary between 347 and 504. In 1974, the Grand Old Opry House opened in Nashville with a concert attended by President Richard Nixon and his wife, Pat. In 1991, a plane carrying seven members of country singer, singer Reba McIntyre's band and her tour manager crashed into Otay Mountain in Southern California, killing all on board. In 2003, American activist Rachel Corey, 23, was crushed to death by an Israeli military bulldozer while trying to block demolition of a Palestinian home in the Gaza Strip. Today's birthdays, comedian director Jerry Lewis is 91. Movie director Bernardo Bertolucci is 76. Game show host Chuck Woolery is 76. Singer-songwriter Jerry Jeff Walker is 75. Actor Eric Estrada is 68. Actor Victor Garber is 68. Actress Kate Nelligan is 66. Thought for today, 
Until we lose ourselves, there is no hope of finding ourselves. Henry Miller, American author, 1891-1980. to And now we turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me make you bleed. Haven't seen. Hey, that's mommy. Yeah, yeah, man. Well, open it. Put my trust in group of stuff. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that you be in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not just wait for a rainy weather, as we just heard the Nicholas Brothers sing, because we have the lucky numbers and card of the week for you here each and every week as brought to you by ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And before we get into those numbers, we just want to say quickly thank you so very much, Chief, our Chief Engineer, Troll Tallahead, for stepping up and taking the bat at the plate when Patchy was away. Great job. And the lucky numbers this week are 17, 20, 34, 44, 50, and 52. Once again, those lucky numbers are 17, 20, 34, 44, 50, and 52. I have to tell you that these numbers, although they're, they're, they're profitable numbers, they're good numbers, these numbers are going to mature, meaning I have a feeling that these numbers are really only going to come into their own around Tuesday, okay? So around Tuesday, you'll start to see these numbers coming into their own. They'll be lucky in Tuesday. Wednesday and Thursday, they're going to be even luckier, and of course, next Thursday, you'll get out new numbers. So I would consider betting with these numbers starting on Monday up until next Thursday. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 131. That's 131. 444. That's 444. And 527. That's 527. And I have to tell you that 527 is hot. Very hot right now. When I calculated it, it almost set the paper on fire. This, the card of the week, is the Four of Hearts, the marriage bed. Romantic love, sex, and tenderness, fidelity, and the home. This is a week filled with love, gentleness, and matters of the home. Take some time this week to put your home in order and spend time with those special to you. This is a very favorable week to attempt to rekindle a dwindling romance in a relationship as well as a good time to, quote, pop the question 
end quote. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, (laughs) remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, our own Miss Loretta with Cooking with Miss Loretta. I don't know what it's going to be, but she made it up in the break room, and I got to tell you, it smells damn good. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. All the girls around her say she's got it coming, but she gets it while she can. This is Miss Loretta, and I have a little story for you this week before we get to the recipe. And I want to apologize. I know that I've started kind of telling tales uh, before we get to the recipe. And the reason I want to apologize about that is I hate that when I am online. When I go online and I want to find a recipe, and I'm just looking and looking, and I don't know what it is. It could be anything. Let's say date bread. And I, oh, here's a recipe for date bread. I'm going to look at that recipe. And I go to the site, and I click on the link, and there's 40 paragraphs before the dang ingredients, before how I do anything with it. That, and she's always going, oh, I remember when I was a girl, and my mother would make date bread. And how the wind would come through the kitchen window and move through the kitchen throughout the house. And the smell of the date bread was always a smell that reminded me of comfort and mother. And then later when I'm married, I'm just sitting there going, tell me how many damn dates I need. I'm in a hurry. Apologize that now I've started doing the same dang thing, which is telling a tale. So anyway, here's the tale. Long story short, too late. My new husband has recently been introducing me to all sorts of new things, which I enjoy. If I wanted to be introduced to old things, I wouldn't have gotten a new husband. And so this last weekend, he introduced me to something called Purim. And this is a Jewish celebration. And since we've been married, we've started doing these these celebrations together in our house and with friends and people that are his friends. They're now my friends, etc. And I thought they were all very serious. I, you know, I was like, they're beautiful, but they're very serious. Okay, they're very serious, and they're warm and they're loving and they're very much about home, but They're serious. And so when he said, darling, we're going to do Purim Saturday, I said, okay, we'll do Purim. And I don't know what that means. And he said, oh, you're going to love it. And he had this kind of smile on his face that I said, 
uh-oh. He's up to something. Cut to me in a Barca lounger so drunk that I cannot figure out how to reach down, find the handle, and put my feet back down. I was literally in this Barca lounger saying, I'm trapped. Freddie, I'm trapped. I can't get it. He was laughing his ass off. So the point of all this is the next day, Sunday, Sunday, I get up. Okay. I'm still about two sheets to the wind. Got my hair up. I'm wearing my old bathrobe. He sashays right into that kitchen like he hadn't had a drink and says, where's Purim brunch? And I just leaned on the counter and I said, boy, you didn't tell me there was supposed to be a Purim brunch. You didn't say nothing about that. And he said, yeah, I did. told you last night. Remember when I told you the whole story about how, you know, Esther did this and she free whatever and this is why we do this and that's where the whole Megillah comes. And, the, and remember I showed you the little scroll and the bigger scroll and how you pulled it out and you thought that was so funny, how you pull it out and it'll snap back in. And I was I didn't remember none of this. Apparently, apparently, brunch is a big deal after certain Jewish holidays. I did not know this. No one ever told me that there was going to be brunch. I found out brunch after Yom Kippur is important. I found out brunch after Purim is important. I found out brunch after the second day of Passover is important. Why it's not important on the first day, I don't know. So, between that and one other person that wrote in and said, is there anything I can do in a crock pot for breakfast? Today, we're going to be talking about, that was the intro, folks. Today, we're going to be talking about slow cooker ham and Swiss cheese, that Swiss quiche. And this is for your crock pot. This takes approximately 15 minutes of prep time. It takes three hours and 20 minutes total time and makes six servings. The ingredients for this are as follows. You will want to get one box of Pillsbury refrigerated pie crusts, and you will soften them as directed on the box. Two cups of shredded Swiss cheese. That's going to be about eight ounces. One cup of chopped lean cooked ham. And I've been told that I shouldn't have used ham and that you can use turkey instead. Well, I guess somebody should have told me. Four green onions chopped. That's going to be about a fourth of a cup. Eggs one cup of whipping cream, one-fourth of a teaspoon of salt, one-fourth of a teaspoon of freshly ground pepper, one-eighth of a teaspoon of ground nutmeg, and then pear or grape tomatoes cut in half if desired, and then additional sliced green onions if desired. The directions for this are as follows. First, you will spray a five to six quart slow 
cooker with cooking spray. Remove your pie crusts from their pouches. Cut the pie crusts in half and press three pie crust halves into the bottom two inches up the side of the slow cooker, overlapping your seams by about a quarter of an inch. Now, once you've done that, you will go ahead and refrigerate, don't freeze, just refrigerate your remaining crust halves for another use. So you can get a little extra use out of them, and you can do all sorts of things with them. After you've done that, you will cover it and cook on high for one hour and 30 minutes. Once that's done, you're going to open your crock pot back up and sprinkle one cup of the cheese, the ham, and one-fourth cup of onions over the crust. Then, in a medium bowl, beat your eggs up with your whipping cream, salt, pepper, and nutmeg, and whisk it all together. And then pour over those ingredients already in the crust. And then sprinkle with the remaining one cup of cheese. Finally, cover, cook on high heat for another hour and 30 minutes or until the filling is set. Uncover, let it stand just about five minutes before serving, and then you cut your quiche into wedges and serve immediately, garnishing with pear or grape tomatoes and additional onions if you wish. And a lot of people, when I tell them this recipe, they go, oh, wait a minute, that's going to be nasty because it's a crock pot. You can't make it like that in a crock pot. Yes, you can. And I've done all sorts of things like this in a crock pot. Crock pots are excellent for quiches. So if you have a brunch that you need to put together and you're up in the morning and you say, well, we're going to have brunch in about three hours. I'm up. Some of us are early risers, particularly us country gals. And you want to just put it away. And then when brunch time comes, have your girlfriends or whoever come in. You can just set this up, cook it away, and it's as ready and easy as you could wish. You only got one pot to clean. I hope that you'll enjoy this as much as we have, and I will see you again next week. Until then, we're going to turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the pontification. Bye-bye. Hey, thank you, Miss Loretta. I gotta tell you, she has this cooked up in the uh, in the break room here, and sometimes she brings us these recipes, and it smells really good. I mean, I'm I'm wishing I had some time to step away from the mic. Maybe if there's a long enough piece of music, I'll actually do that. Up next, the professor's pontification this week: education and history. Oh man, if we could just get together and agree on things. Don't know much about history Don't know much biology Don't know much about a science book Don't know much about the French I took But I do know that I love you And I know that if you love 
there is this strange, and it baffles me. It really does. It absolutely baffles me. Strange strain of thought that passes through the hoodoo root work and conjure community almost annually. If it misses a year, then it always comes back with a vengeance the second year. And as I've tracked it, strangely enough, it does seem to pass through our community more in the spring and summer than in the fall and the winter. Don't know what's about that. I don't know. Strange, but true. And it goes a little something like this. Anyone who learned anything by any book, anywhere, anytime is a fraud. There ain't no book learning in hoodoo. Ain't no book learning in hoodoo! number of different ways, but I'm going to try a third one today. I'm going to try a little one about history. So follow me along, if you will. There's a book in Hoodoo, and there's a fair degree of learning associated to that book, to utilize that book. That book is the Bible. Primarily, it's the King James Bible, but it's the Bible. Huh. You would think that that would count, right? I mean, isn't the Bible a part of hoodoo? It, it is. So isn't that a book? And don't you engage in learning from that book? I mean, you don't just open it at random always. You open it random perhaps for bibliomancy. But you don't just open it at random all the time for all the work you're going to do. So doesn't that count as a book and book learning? What about what about the Farmer's Almanac? Is that not a book? Now, right about now, there is going to be somebody who has the goddamn metal cojones. To say, well, real country folk don't need the farmer's almanac. Farmer's almanac is something city folk use. Us real country folk feel it in our bones. We taste it in the air. We smell it in the water. We feel it with our fingers in the mud with our toes. We don't need no almanac. And let me tell you what my response is going to be to that. I'm honestly going to want to smack the taste out of their mouths because I grew up in the goddamn country, and I mean country-ass country. And if you think where I grew up wasn't country, I'll take you where my wife was raised, and that's so fucking country that even I get nervous the fuck out there. I was literally raised in the middle of goddamn nowhere. Town didn't have a fucking traffic light. All right? Country. One horse town, both butchers was fighting over that. If you blinked too long when you went down 114, you missed the town that I was raised in. And where my wife is from makes that look like man-fucking-hatton. I mean, when I go out to see my wife's people, I just roll up the windows and lock the doors because I start hearing banjos and shit. I mean, I mean, it's some – that these people are country people. 
All right. I mean, we drove. I was in the car. My wife's driving. We're, we're, we're driving to go see her kinfolk, okay? And we go by this, this shack. I mean, it's a shack, pal, okay? There's no nice way to call it anything else. You can't go, well, it's, an, or it's a distressed house. No, it's not a distressed house. It's a shack. And on the shack, and on the shack, they was mattresses. And sitting on the edge of the porch with the mattresses was two old boys who was wearing overalls. And that's all they was wearing. They didn't have no shirts on. I'm pretty sure they didn't have no underwear on, and they didn't have no socks on. They didn't have no shoes on, and they was just sitting on the edge of the porch that had the mattresses on it on the outside of the shack, and it was in a field, and they was just staring at nothing, okay? That's some country shit, and every son of a bitch out there had a copy of The Farmer's Almanac. That's it, kids. The Farmer's Almanac. You know the Farmer's Almanac. It's the Farmer's Almanac. Surely you know the Farmer's Almanac. All right? They, you know, they put them out by years, and it says on the cover, you know, the old farmers, whatever year, 2014, 1925, 1952, 1932, Almanac. And then, as the years went by, it started saying Southern Edition, Northern Edition. Western edition, right? Farmer's Almanac. Now, that's a book. You got to be able to read. It's got tables and charts in there, too. I'm looking at one right now. Got right here. Got a table right here. Says gestation and mating tables. Proper age or weight for the first mating of a ewe, a ram. A mare, a stallion, a cow, a bull, a sow, a boar, a doe goat, a buck goat, a bitch, a male dog, a queen cat, a tom cat, a doe rabbit, a buck rabbit. Period of fertility, number of females for one male, period of gestation in days, average and range. That's in the, that's, that's in the god. Damn Farmer's Almanac. And not a new one either. They want no book, but they didn't need no book, learning. They didn't need no nothing. Let me, you know, I'm getting so sick of this goddamn issue. Then somebody else says, well, the people that practice hoodoo nowadays, they're not really hoodooists. They don't really know hoodoo. They don't really know conjure. They don't really know that shit. Because we know it. Once again, now listen, it's the same thing about the weather. We feel it in our bones. We talk to the plants. We talk to the spirits. We talk to the ancestors. We don't need no book. Why, all these people doing this are just book collectors living in a fantasy world. They're book collectors living in a fantasy world. They're book readers living in a fantasy world. They're librarians living in a fantasy world. They don't know the real deal. Okay, well, let's be 100% honest. There was a period of time where transmission of knowledge about hoodoo from person to person and place to place was done in a purely oral tradition. You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. 
it was done in oral tradition. And I could spend an entire show telling you all the faults in traditions and all the faults of oral traditions. 100%. I'm serious. I could stand up for two hours and never, ever, ever pause except maybe to take an extra breath or take a drink of water. I'm going to take a drink of water right now. Drink of water. And I could go on for two solid hours about the pros and cons of both a written tradition and the pros and cons of an oral tradition. And if you don't think I could, you should for a moment and consider one thing. I'm a Jew. And no one knows the benefits and flaws of both a written tradition and the benefits and flaws of an oral tradition like fucking Jews. All right? We had this entire thing called the oral Torah, okay? And that became the Talmud. And we will debate and talk about uh, – no, trust me. We know all the gains and all the losses of both of those systems. And there are gains and losses for both of those ways of life, culturally speaking, and in terms of the transmission of information. But here's the deal. You, when you say this, whoever it is that's saying this, I'm not saying you. That's not meant to be the accusational Dylan you. Those that say this, show me at least one thing. You ain't country. You are not a country person. You are not a rural person. You don't come from a rural or a country background. Okay? That's what you show me when you say this. Because I grew up in country, and I grew up around African Americans, European Americans, Latin American. I mean, I grew up around all these people. Poor-ass country folk all have one thing in common. The belief that a certain amount of, quote, learning, a certain amount of, quote, schooling, a certain amount of, quote, reading, a certain amount of educating is desired and is positive. Now, by the same token, I will admit that once you cross that line, it's not desired. There's too much learning. There's too much school. Why you always got your nose in a book? There's a limit. There's a limit. There's a limit. Absolutely. But people in the country, because they are used to being treated badly by urban and suburban individuals, do not proudly proclaim their ignorance. They do not pro- proudly proclaim a desire to engage in illiteracy. And in fact, they get very offended when you accuse them even casually of being illiterate. They have the Farmer's Almanac, and they have the Bible. That may be the only two books they feel they need, but they've got both those books. And both those books are very valuable books, full of information and full of difficult language. They're not easy. They're not primers. You know, 
The ball is blue. Jane has the ball. See the ball with Jane. No. It's a goddamn farmer's almanac and a Bible. They're very complex books. A farmer's almanac has detailed tables of astrological movements of the moon, the planets, stars, seasonal changes, things about planting, growing, things about how to make mulch, about how to care for the land, etc., 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 how to slaughter, how to butcher, when to fish. We bring you a small taste of it each and every week. Each and every week on this show, someone reading the news says something like, the so-and-so and so-and-so are auspicious days too. Wash a wooden floor, pick an apple, uh, quit smoking, uh, 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 blow shit up, slaughter a pig, slaughter a cow, wean a baby, go on a diet to gain weight, to lose weight, to grow your hair, cut your hair to grow your hair, cut your hair to keep your hair from growing, have dentistry done, etc., etc., etc. Every week, more than a year now, more than two. And where does that come from? It comes from the Farmer's Almanac each and every week. Each and every week we say this is a good time to plant this and that or this. Don't plant this. Harvest that. Where does that come out? It comes from the Farmer's Almanac. When's a good time to fish? When's a good time to the Farmer's Almanac? It's a book. People are consulting this book all the time, and they ain't city folk. But people say, no, don't need no book learning. You just marked yourself to me as someone who didn't grow up in the country. I immediately suspect I immediately suspect your accent, whatever your country accent is, whether it's Texas country accent or whether you talk about like you come down from the bayou over there. Ah, we ain't from La Ville. We don't need no we don't need to read no book share. We don't we don't do it up like in La Ville. We do it simple down here. Where whatever it is, or it's a Missouri accent, or whatever your little country fried accent that you're trying to pass off, your Kentucky fried accent, I start to suspect you. I start to suspect you. Let me try to put this in perspective for you. These people who are saying this shit are saying it primarily by touching their fingers to lettered keys on a keyboard attached to a computer, attached to a piece of machinery that allows their computer to have connection to the Internet, where hundreds of other thousands, millions, billions of other computers are attached, to then post this information, T-literary, information on the places that you can read it on that their interwebs. Now my fucking person who has not lost his mind enough to step back for a minute and go, this son of a bitch is actually on the internet, actually on a place where people only communicate via typewritten communication which is the pinnacle of current information technology, how we talk to each other in this goddamn world. And the thing they're saying via this media and this medium is that book 
learning and reading and all that fancified bullshit and the internet ain't real. Real. Does that not, am I the only one that goes, what? Listen, if somebody sat in their house or on their porch with their cup of coffee in their, you know, wickerback chair, and they sat there, and somebody said, hey, did you hear about all these her young people on the interweb computer waffle iron thing talking about hoodoo? And that's how they teach and learn hoodoo. And they took their pipe out of their mouth and chuckled and went, <laughs> well, there ain't nothing real there. That's just letters. I would go, well, at least this fucker has a point. Because he don't have a cell phone. And he don't have a fucking smartphone. And he don't have a computer. And he's never been on the interwebs to trade cat pictures, okay? And he don't he don't have no background in any of that. And to him, it's all foolish because he's never even been there. He doesn't know anything about it. See what I'm saying? He's never been there. So he has a negative view of it. That's a little prejudiced of him. But at least he's not engaging in some sort of illogic or fakery or something. He's literally just sitting on his goddamn porch, drinking his coffee, smoking his pipe in his wicker back chair, just, you know, passing all these judgments about shit he doesn't know about. Okay, well, that's that's whatever. At least it's not fucking hypocrisy. These other motherfuckers have social media accounts. They're on Twitter. These fuckers are on Twitter. They're on Twitter with 126 characters saying, don't read 126. No, uh, nobody ever learned no shit from no book. No, They're publishing books. Some of these people who are against books in hoodoo write and sell books. Are are you kidding me? Am I out of my mind? Have I slipped into some fucking parallel universe? Where Yes, unfortunately, I really have. But the point is, they will fly in the face of facts and history. Consider, if you will a hoodoo practitioner by the name of Professor Porterfield trapped in a world where, I mean, you know, it's just, it's nuts. It's fucking kooky. So they're willing to throw out the baby with the bathwater. They're willing to say that there ain't no books, including, apparently, as far as I can figure, the Bible and the Farmer's Almanac. If they were saying, all you need is the Bible and the Farmer's Almanac, and you can do hoodoo just as well as anybody that ever got no book on hoodoo, I might go, well, you probably still need to talk to people that know hoodoo, that have, you know, have some idea, right? But, you know, the Bible and the Farmer's Almanac are really going to get you a really far way. I mean, it's really going to get you a really far way, all right? But, what about the Petit Albert? Oh, bum, bum, bum. Someone quill the, someone cue the Wilhelm scream. That's right, I said it. What about the Petit Albert? Well, now, wait a minute. Petit Albert doesn't have nothing to do with hoodoo. That's a bunch of, uh, that's sorceress bullshit. That's, you know, ceremonial, whatever. Petit and yet, we know from history that there are people in the South, saying, oh, get that Petit Albert. And they, they're not even saying Petit Albert. They are saying that Petit, Petit Albert. Get that Petit, 
Petted Albert. Get that Petted Albert. That Petted Albert, that'll give you power. They're saying, get that Petted Albert and carry that Petted Albert, and it'll give you power. They're saying, get that long-lost friend. Get that long-lost friend. And even carrying the long-lost friend will protect you. Even carrying it will protect you. Get that six and seven books of Moses. Even even holding on to it be good for you. You the inside that you open it up and there the pictures of these what they call seals, and you draw them out. Get that. Get that book of Moses. It's not the five books in the Bible. We got them already in the Bible. See now. Wait a minute. Now wait a minute. Back the fucking bus up a minute. Get the sixth and seventh book of Bible. What what what? I should get the what book of what? A who? A Moses? I should get the 6th and 7th book of Moses? That must mean you're already using the first five books. Right? I mean, if the 6th and 7th are of value, that has to be because the first five are of value. So even if you want to play pretend in your fantasy world that nobody used the Bible and nobody wanted the Bible and the Bible belonged only to the slave master or what the fuck ever, the Abrahamic oppressive anti-feminist, whatever bullshit problem you want to have with it, you must have been using the first five, right? Otherwise, why do you need the sixth and seventh? Then later we have the 8th, 9th, and 10th. You want to get a copy of that 8th, 9th, and 10th? Well, of course you want a copy of the 8th, 9th, and 10th because 6th and 7th. Now, right about now. Bum, dun, 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 bum, bum. There's somebody with some fairly non-Jewish features leaning around a post someplace going, well, well. Of course, of course, the sixth through the tenth books of Moses, that's just the vicious, serpentine, Jewish marketeers trying to take advantage of these poor, hard-working people with their Jewish texts, you know. They drink the blood of children, and then they slink away. Except that the primary people trying to, you know, sell the eighth, ninth, and tenth weren't actually Jewish. Okay, and f- except for the fact that I know a shit ton of Jews. I mean, I know as many Jews who are like, ooh, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, and tenth books of Moses, as go. Ah, nah, fuck that. I don't want anything to do with that shit. It's fucking offensive. I mean, that's really fucking offensive to me. All right? So Jews are pretty much divided on that. All right? Uh, uh, And then you have some Jewish uh, uh, academics who are like, oh, how fascinating. What an interesting thing. These sixth and seventh. hmm." But but you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like everybody's like, oh, yeah, we should totally sell that to the – but see, you got to bring that into it. Does that mean that there are evil French people trying to sell the petite – Albert? Does that mean, oh my God, holy crap, what about all the evil Pennsylvania Dutch motherfuckers trying to sell the long lost friend? Oh, what about the black pullet? Who do I blame for that? What what about the Bible? Oh, that's right. That's that's evil Abrahamic people. Oh. What about the farmer's almanac? 
Hmm. Must be that villain, figure of infamy, that asshole running around naked, naked with his French whores, the one, the only president of the United States who was never president of the United States, Benjamin Franklin. (gasps) What a figure of historic evil. Oh, what a figure of historic evil. The terrible, the horrible, Benjamin Franklin, baby eater extraordinaire. Now, in that, I said a couple of true things. A, the only president of the United States never to be president of the United States, Benjamin Franklin. And B, nudist running around with his French horse, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin, ladies and gentlemen, long-haired, marijuana-smoking freak. Here's to you, Benji. You're my man. All right? But the point is this. These are books. They're all books. Petit Albert, Black Pullet, Long Lost Friend, Sixth and Seventh Books of Moses. Then later, Eighth, Ninth, and Tenth Books of Moses. Okay? Bible. Some places, some places where there's Catholic influence, some places, Catholic influence, you also see the, the parts of the Bible that have not been put in the Bible. And we're using those parts and with, oh, look, here it is in the little book. All right, right here, the Apocrypha, the Apocrypha. Well, what about the Apocrypha of this or what about the Apocrypha of that? There are different Apocryphas. And people are using those for magic as well. There they just city folk. Huh, really? Here's the problem, and I'm going to go all the way out onto a limb, and I'm going to step out into the air. Watch. It's my best trick. Ready? Far beats Daffy Duck's nitroglycerin one. The people who say via social media, Twitter, Facebook, web pages, etc., The people who use primarily literary means and educated means to communicate to you and booksellers who wish to communicate to you a vigorous stream, a vigorous form of anti-intellectualism and illiteracy in regards to any magical practice whatsoever – are frauds, thieves, and bad guys. Did you see the part where I just let go of the tree to hang in the air? Did you, did you see that part? Isn't that amazing? Frauds, thieves, and bad guys. I said it. You can write it down on a piece of paper and bring it to me. Perhaps. On May 13th, 14th at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival in beautiful Forestville, California. And I'll sign my name to it. Frauds, thieves, and bad guys. And the only thing I will say right now is Miss Aida, my dear friend, around here we use the Oxford comma. Frauds, thieves, and bad guys. Why? Because they have to be. 
They have to be. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you telling me that these people actually came in out of the cold? Cold word term. You might want to go read John LeClaire if you don't think books are bad. Came in out of the cold to get themselves involved with computers, involved with the internet, involved with book, book publishing, magazine publishing, article publishing, so they could promote their anti-intellectual, anti-literacy, pro-illiteracy position, and it's the truth. Really. Frauds, thieves, and bad guys. These are not country people. Country people admire a certain level of education up to a point. Country people do not want to be mocked and thought of as being, quote, ignorant. They do not like it. Country people read their Bible. Country people read their almanac. Country people read the manual for the rifle and the manual for the gun when they buy it, just in case. Country people may complain, I don't like all these new cars with all the computers in it. I hate it. Now you got to have a computer to work on your car. I hate it. That's a real conversation. That's a real conversation. But there's not a one of them that says, you can't trust the manual in that car. I'd never read. A... No, they read all the fucking time. Well, it says here that this manifold has to go in left to right. I've never seen one go in left to right. Don't they go in right to left? Well, we'll do it. To... I'll be damned. I'll be jiggered. He's right. Okay. Country people will make fun of people that won't read directions, won't read street signs. And you all that are passing this bogus attitude. And you know who you are. You're thieves, you're frauds, you're bad guys, and you're insulting. And you're making your dollars off the back of people who live in the country. You are encouraging people to not read, to not learn, to not have any scholarship further than your voice. And that's the reason you're doing it. Because you want to be the only voice. Because you're the fuck afraid that somebody's going to hear something, read it somewhere in some book, from some teacher at that, what they're going to read says that you're a fraud, that that shit you've been telling them is fake, that you're not all that in a bag of chips, that you are not the end all and be all of hoodoo power, of conjure power. You're scared to fucking death of it. You're scared to fucking death of it. You got to keep this quiet. And that makes you no different than every sleazy-ass cult leader I've ever seen in my whole goddamn life. Can you hear my red? Can you tell I got my red up? Can you hear it in my voice? This ain't fake right now. This isn't me doing the character. This is me. See how mad I am? This is when your accent comes back, when you're mad and when you're scared. You're a sleazy-ass wannabe cult leader. You want to be driving by in your goddamn Rolls Royce while the rest of us is in the field planting soybean for you out there in Antelope. You want the rest of us 
to be having a mass wedding while you stand up on the highest pinnacle made out of solid white material because the sun only shines on you, Dr. Moon. You want us all to move out in the jungle with you and drink great fucking Kool-Aid when things get too tough for you because you think it's all going to be bad. Because you want to deny people information because you're scared that someone's going to read something somewhere, sometime, and they're going to disagree with you. You're scared of death of it. That's right. You are frightened. You are frightened. You don't want Anybody to read. You only want them to hear your voice. Oh, yes. And you know why? You have to take every book away. You even have to take away common books. Because if you take away that, that farmer's almanac, you got to take that away. Because otherwise it's going to show you up to not be country. Farmer's Almanac is going to show you up that you don't know shit about moon phases, no shit about when something's auspicious and when it's not auspicious, that you don't know nothing about planting, that you don't know nothing about slaughtering. I mean, you might be slaughtering animals because you, know, you need to just slaughter an animal, but you ain't doing it because of any sort of a schedule, right? And you have to even take the Bible away from people, don't you? And do you know why? I'll tell you. And when I say you, I mean the people doing this. I don't mean all of the rest of us listening in. I'm talking right now just to the people that do this. The reason you have to take the Bible away is because God help you if everybody anywhere, anytime that's paying you money reads Ecclesiastes 8.13. Because someday somebody's going to run across it, and it's going to be right there on the page. The wicked will not prosper, for they do not fear God. Their days never grow long like the evening shadows. And they'll turn around and they'll see through you. You have to take the farmer's almanac away from them because otherwise they'll know you're not country. And you have to take the Bible away from them. Otherwise, it'll be a while before they realize how wicked you are. So you go ahead and you mock everybody that does different. You go ahead and say, oh, all these people writing books don't know shit. You go ahead and encourage ignorance and blind obedience. You go ahead and encourage illiteracy and powerlessness. You go ahead and steal that dollar today out of the hands of a mother. Sick grandmas. You go ahead and take it. And you build and build and build, build you a pile of gold as high as you can. Because in the end, it's all going to fall down. And I'm just going to sit back, and I'll watch, and I'll keep saying what I'm saying. This is fourth or fifth time around. There's going to be a sixth, seventh, and eighth till they drag me out of here boots first. Because I'm going to call you out. Because you're shaming your own ancestors. You're shaming the people who went before you. You're shaming common, rational thought. You're shaming decent, hardworking folk who want an education for their children. 
You're shaming people who are trying to do better, and you're shaming them so you can be the only voice in the room, the loudest voice that all obey. It's okay, baby. You'll get power for a while. Of course you will. But I know what's going to happen to you. And in the end, it's all just a matter of history repeating itself. There's something revolving Whatever may come The world keeps revolving They say the next big thing is here That the revolution's near But to me it seems quite clear That it's all just a little bit of history repeating
Oh, yes. And the two macaroons go to Christy XP. That was, in fact, history repeating by, well, with, with Shirley Bassey. With Shirley Bassey. No one actually got the band. So, in other words, this is actually a a well-known modern group who did this song. They wrote this song called History Repeating. And then they brought in Shirley Bassey, Shirley Bassey to sing it with them. And that group's name was, is Propellerhead. So that was History Repeating by Propellerhead with or featuring Shirley Bassey, who you know so well from Goldfinger. That's right. And so in that propeller head and, and it was actually properly the propeller heads, and Shirley Bassey were just telling us that it's all just a matter of history repeating. You know, they were just doing their little part to just send out a signal. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network, in the vanguard! LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo River Power with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Candela's Corner with Candelo Cambisa and Michael Carell, Mondays 5 to 7, The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6, In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7, Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays 6 to 7, The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Lefay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, Troll Towelhead, who brought us the news tonight for that update of our shows on the LMC Radio Network each and every week. Up next, we're going to go over to our What We Do section. But first, let's sit for a moment and, and sit and look up at the night sky and watch the, ooh, look, a shooting star. I, I bet it's a comet. Sugar pie, mother. We'll be 
couldn't cover this entire topic in two hours. I doubt this entire topic could be covered in four hours. So I am going to tell you right now, get your pencil, get your pen, get your paper, and write this down to go out, and you want to buy the following books. (gasps) Books, but book learning. Yeah, see how it works? See how I can't transmit information by an oral medium alone in the time allotted so I can bolster up the information that I'm going to transmit by including in it written materials. No one's telling you to only rely on written materials. No one's telling you only rely on oral sources. So you will want to get a copy of The Art of Hoodoo Candle Magic 
in Rootwork Conjure and Spiritual Church Services by Catherine Ironwood and Mikhail Strabo. And you will want to get the Master Book of Candle Burning, How to Burn Candles for Every Purpose, Henri Gamache. I insist on saying Henri instead of Henry. So there you go. You really will want those two books. Obviously, you'll want others. But if you really want to start getting you know, a feel for this and what a candle service is like and what a candle ministry is like and all the rest of this, you're going to want those two books. So why not get a little book learning? But in the meantime, why not enjoy the great tradition of oral transmission of knowledge and sit back and open your delicate shell-shaped ears and listen to me. Candle spells, the setting of lights, lamp spells, are all a form of spell casting, trick making, a trick laying that involve candles or lamps that occur in hoodoo. And you see hoodoo doctors, conjurers, etc. performing these works for their clients and for themselves for almost every purpose and condition that there is. And so this includes, but is not limited to, the gaining of revenge on an enemy, spells to drive people away, work to increase psychic gifts, court case work, cursing and jinxing, the removal, the reversal of cross conditions, health and healing work, career and success work, protection, blessing, money, love, mastery, and domination. All of this and more can be done with candles or lamps. The color of a candle or the lamp oil that is used may vary according to a worker's teaching and where a worker comes from. And after the works of Henri Gamache, the color of candles becomes very important. But I will say this. When you start talking about old time, way back work, there was a time period when the use of aniline dyes to dye and change the color of wax or petroleum that was being used for candles was almost non-existent or was extremely expensive. And during this point in time, and even before that, before their advent, most candles came in, quote, natural colors, which means they look somewhat whitish yellow. Uh, so they're going to look like tallow if they're a tallow-based candle. They're going to be the color of beeswax if they're a beeswax candle. And you should understand that beeswax comes in a variety of colors depending on where the bees have been out gathering. Okay, just like honey changes its flavor, so too can bees wax change its colors. And some very, very, very clever people in the olden days, hardly illiterates, hardly the fools that people would lead you to believe, uh, would promote a system of bee gardening in which gardens or areas were provided for bees to feed from and gather pollen from to intentionally control the taste 
of the honey and, yes, I kid you not, the color of the wax and the substance of the wax. Because you have to understand, again, that depending on what's going into the hive, even the consistency of the beeswax can change slightly. So if you know what you're doing with your bees and you're very, very clever and you're very, very crafty and you have a lot of land to herd your bees, and believe it or not, people herd bees, uh, you can get the consistency of your beeswax to change slightly, where it's somewhat soft to a place where it's very hard and almost brittle. Now, also, that has to do with how you produce the, be the wax out of the hive and how you store it and what you take care of it. You can then alter again, alter its substance. But the point that I'm trying to make to you is that back, way back when, most candles had a, quote, natural color, which is going to be a whitish or yellowish, fatty or bee-waxy color. What you are not going to find is a solid black candle, unless a lot of other shit has been added into the wax. Oh, wait a minute. There's another change in the color. Certain things can be added to hot beeswax that will bleed out and will start to change the color. And this way you can get colors of candles that are not just white or yellow. But here's what you're not going to see. A vivid red, like what should we call it, lipstick red? A vivid red candle. A vivid purple or blue candle. What you're primarily going to see is soft reds, pinks, yellows, and greens lots of greens, there are some natural things that can be put into a candle that won't be unpleasant to burn that will alter its color. But primarily what you've got is white and yellow. This is the reason that to this day you will hear a lot of people say you can use a white candle for anything. You can use a white candle for anything. Blessing, cursing, love, anything. Why are they saying this? They're saying this because those colors were not available in older days. Now, this is going to cause some people to clutch at their pearls and say, no, 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 it can't be true. Well, but it must be true. And it must be true because we have seen the changing of colors for certain work. I will give you but one example. United States used to pay out in coinage. You primarily got paid in two ways, or you got coin. All right? There wasn't a lot of folding money. You got paid in coins, or you got paid in chits. Chits were very, very bad because you could only spend chits certain places. And this is the way the company store develops. You don't want to get paid in a chit, you want to get paid in coins. The candle that was used for money work was a gold or a yellow colored candle. Why? Well, A, you can get yellow colored candles, and B, it relates to coins. See, very hard to get a silver candle. You can do it nowadays, but back then, no. But you can get a yellow color. It's, it's like the color of the gold coin, and therefore, ah, it relates to money. Nowadays, what does everybody use for money work? Green candle. 
Why? American greenback. American money is primarily of a green color. Folding money, paper money. I guarantee you, if tomorrow the Treasury decides to go the direction of every other country in the world and to bring down counterfeiting by making all of our money every fucking fabulous color under the sun, and they suddenly start making our money pink, much to the consternation of Catherine Ironwood, that it will be a pink candle that you will use within five years. Within two years, it will be a pink candle that you will use to gain money. Okay? Pink. I guarantee it. If all the money starts being printed blue to stop counterfeiting, I guarantee you, inside two years, inside two years, it'll be blue candles that you use for money. So we've already seen that a color can change for work based on things that are going on in the world. And that's where the reason you can accept that once it was white and now it's multicolored. So let us take a few moments to thank Henri Gamache for giving us these wonderful colors and these wonderful colors of candles. Now, what else is added to that? Herbs and oils and other materials are added as well. And these also will variate some from worker to worker. Although there are some that are very popular, five-finger grass, orris root, etc., red pepper, black pepper, salt, etc. Now, outside of all these kinds of spell works going on with all these beautiful colored candles, there's also work that happens on an altar. And if a candle, the person who's working your candle, happens to be a member of the church, a deacon, a reverend, an apostle, a minister, a bishop, then they may be doing what's known as a candle ministry. And that's the preparation of the candles, may be accompanied by prayers or psalms, although someone who's not doing a candle ministry can accompany their candle work with prayers and psalms as well. And the candle will be set on an altar. It will be lit at a particular time. It will burn in a particular way. And it is set aside as being in this sacred, this made sacred space. So that's a candle ministry. Now, again, like I said, there's no way I can talk about it all, but let's break it down. Then also we have fixed candle spells. This is where the candle is not moving. The candle is fixed. It's easy to remember, right? And fixed candle spells may include elaborate setups, meaning a candle here surrounded by this many candles in a variety of shapes, many of which go back to other magical traditions, uh, that's kind of a candle, different shaped candles, figural candles. They may be placed in certain places so they face certain directions so that things are around them, etc. They may be drilled into the bottom to have personal concerns or herbs or petition papers added to them. They may be set on papers or pictures directly or atop dishes with the papers and other materials under the dishes, but the candle stays in one place. Then you have moving candle spells. Moving candle spells, again, very similar. You may be using any number of candles, any kind of candle, color of candle, herbs, etc., figural candles, but the candle is moved. They are progressive works, and the candles are moved. They're repositioned during the course of them being burned. So they're being used to kind of act out a play, if you will, 
of the intentions of, for the client or of the worker. And you often see this to separate people or to bring people together because their candles are either taken apart or brought close together. This can be used to bring uh, someone into protection, out of protection, to drive people away from a site, a particular place, uh, customers or boarders, uh, people that board with you, away from the property that you own, renters out of your house, lovers away from each other, husbands to come back to their wives, lost people to come back home. All right. Then you also have the setting of lights. This is a term where candles are dressed and lit for a specific person with a specified desired outcome, and they're burnt all the way through until they're finished. And a variety of candles can be used, sizes and shapes and colors, as well as lamps. But the term setting lights is most often used to specifically indicate the setting of glass-encased vigil candles. Catholic novena candles or oil lamps. And that brings up lamps. There are lamps. And lamps can take a number of different forms. Either the lamp can be used in the same way that a candle is used. Rather than burn a candle, I'm using a lamp. The lamp is put out here, put over papers, put over whatever, and it's just left. The lamp can be moved, so it's moving. Or the lamp itself can be made into a dedicated object by having certain herbs, roots, mineral, or zoological curios added into the font, the font of the well. That's what that's called, the font of the well. And then even particularly colored oil can be added, and even the wick can be written on or have certain things attached to it by being pinned to the bottom of the wick. Now... The lamp, if you will, is somewhat in between, if you will, think of this for a moment, it's somewhat similar to a container spell. It is akin, if you will, to a mojo hand to a certain extent. We have taken a vessel, we've taken a container, and we've put things in it, and now it's that, but it's also lit. So it also has that fa the fascination and power of fire going in fact, if you become expert at this, you will find that you can refill the oil in a lamp without having the lamp go out. And so you can have a constant, constant light, constant setting of that light upon whatever your subject is. This topic goes on and on and on. It is huge. It is absolutely huge. And I encourage you to take a few days out of your coming week to go and study up on candle spells, the setting of lights, and lamps and lamp spells. I think you will be amazed by it. And I also encourage you to come out to this year's 2017 10th Annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival because the one and only Beverly Smith, that's right, Beverly Smith from In the Streets, right here on the LMC Radio Network, is going to be teaching a workshop on moving candle spells, and in that workshop, she is going to include the as yet oldest known printed moving candle spell. I know, I know, it was in a book. I'm so sorry. It's important. Come out and see that. 
Come out and see that. And also take some time to go out on your own and read and talk to people. Get the best of both worlds. Read and talk to people, written and oral. We would like to thank the good people at the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers, that is readersandrootworkers.org, for helping us with the inclusion of material from their beautiful site in our What We Do segment each and every week. Why not stop on by there at readersandrootworkers.org and give them a look? There are hundreds of wonderful pages there for you to read. Up next, we're going to go in the kitchen where we're going to be talking about vinegar. That's what we're going to talk We're going to talk about that until the end of the show. You know, the next goodbye. Honey, is there any place that you would like to be? I know a coffee shop down on Clifton.
Oh, yes. That was, of course, the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones trying very hard to sound American. You're quite correct, Catherine. Uh, with Till the Next Goodbye. The Till the Next Goodbye. That's off of the 1974 album It's Only Rock and Roll. And macarons for everybody. Macarons for everybody. Everybody gets macarons. You got to get them out of here. They're going to go stale by by next week. Troll gets macarons. Miss Aida gets macarons. Catherine gets macarons. The rest of y'all who didn't guess, you don't get nothing. But everybody who everybody who guessed anything gets macarons. Enjoy your macarons because it'll help have a little sweet in your mouth. Because what we're going to talk about right now is vinegar. Dot dot dot. Dun, dun, bum, 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 bum. Vinegar. Oh, yeah. Woo. I, I, well, you know, I can't really say it's that bad. I know people, including myself, who have, 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 have do, and enjoy drinking vinegar. So, let's talk about it just a bit. It's been around for thousands of years. They've even found traces of it in Egyptian urns from around 3000 BC. It comes in a huge number of varieties, apple, cider, balsamic, cane, coconut, date, distilled, East Asian black, fruit, honey, Job's tears, kiwi fruit, kombucha, malt, Palm, pomegranate, raisin, rice, sherry, spirit, white, and wine. Oh, yeah. It's used in cooking as a source in in culinary cooking for all sorts of things, vinaigrettes, pickling, salad dressings, making of chutneys, an ingredient to make sauces such as mustard, ketchup, and mayonnaise. In marinades, it's used as a beverage. Uh, it's used in folk medicine for all sorts of different things, from a sore throat to diet to control di- diabetes. It's an antimicrobial. It also is used against jellyfish stings, believe it or not. It's also used for cleaning it's also used as an herbicide and can be used to kill off uh, perennial plants that may reshoot. You should know that almost all household vinegar does not exceed 5% and that solutions above 10% require careful handling as they are extremely corrosive and damaging to the skin. And you should know, of course, about good old-fashioned for thieves vinegar used for protection said to keep off the plague because it's also a mild mildly acidic it is also traditionally not done much anymore used as an ingredient in women's douches and therefore, it has come to be used in hoodoo in women's love douches. It is therefore seen as the symbolic opposite 
of a sweet. It is the symbolic opposite of a sweetener. I mean, it's just not a sweetener. And so it's used to sour conditions and cause disagreement. And you'll see a vinegar jar instead of a honey jar. This is where you take a jar, just as you would prepare a honey jar, except rather than using honey and using love, herbs, and love items, you're using souring agents, breakup agents, fighting agents, etc. Pins, needles, nails, cat, black cat, hair, black dog, hair, etc. And then this is all placed together, red pepper, black pepper, into a jar with names, pictures, etc. And then vinegar is added. And when you want to work that jar rather than lighting a candle on it, you shake it. And an interesting thing that should be said about that is because vinegar is sour, it sours a condition, causes disagreement, but it also is an acid. And because it is acidic, it starts to break up and break down. That's the reason it's very good in a marinade, because it starts to break down the meat, which is what makes meat more tender. And so it's helping break up, so you can use it for breakup as well in that vinegar jar. Fourth is vinegar, because it contains garlic, is seen as being protective. But because it's sour, can be seen as so let's talk about something you can use vinegar in. To carry an enemy off, you will soak your enemy's hairs, fingernails, and toenails with nine pins in vinegar for nine days. Before sunrise of the tenth day, go out into the woods, bore a hole into a sweet gum tree, and put the pins, hairs, toenails, and fingernails deep into the hole. Cut and carve a plug from the wood of the same tree. Dip it in the remaining vinegar and then give it two taps to drive it into the hole. Come back every morning before sunrise and give the peg two more light taps for nine more mornings. And on the ninth morning, drive the peg in all the way. This will not kill the person, but it will sour your enemy's life, causing them pain. And it will carry them away from you. You can also use vinegar to curse an enemy. Fourth ease vinegar, which is protective, can also be destructive. Here, in what we're going to talk about, it can be used to sour an enemy's fortune. Write your enemy's name on brown paper with dragon's blood ink and cross it out with a big black X. Then wrap the name paper around a whole dried red pepper and tie it with black thread. Submerge this into a jar of four thieves' vinegar and close the jar. For 13 successive nights during the waning moon, burn a black candle dressed with crossing oil upside down on the lid of the jar, always starting at an hour when the both hands of the clock are falling. Okay? And as you light the candle, speak aloud 13 fully curses in your own words cursing and cursing and cursing, up to a total of 13. It may help to write the 13 curses down and memorize them before you begin. Burn one candle per night, letting the wax from each candle build up on the jar's lid and sides. If you want to keep it going, stop after 13 days, wait out the period of the waxing moon, and then begin it again when the moon wanes. On and on and on. 
Those are just two examples. And I hope this week you'll go out, taste a little vinegar, work with a little vinegar, pickle something with a little vinegar, cook with a little vinegar, and do a little work with vinegar this week. We would like to thank Catherine Ironwood for her the inclusion of materials from her fantastic and wonderful book, Hoodoo, Herb, and Root Magic and Materia Magica of African-American Culture, to our In the Kitchen segment each and every week. If you don't have that book, you will really want to get it. Also, we have just been told that Miss McHale likes variations on that verse from Psalm 109, as he loved cursing, let curses soak into his bones like oil. Thank you so much for that, Miss McHale. Well, it's been a hell of a show, and we've had a great time. And you know, until it's all over, it ain't over. Come out in May and see me. I'll be there. Voodoo Heritage Festival, May 13th and 14th. Till then, this is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning.
Network. Bless their heart.